Welcome to the Edge Talk Radio Network, your weekly source for information, empowerment, and connection. The Edge Magazine and its advertisers bring you inspired interviews and conversation on learning and healing, on our sacred journey, and on topics that expand beyond time and space. Now, welcome today's host. Greetings and welcome. Welcome to today's show. I'm Katherine Taylor, host of Edge Interviews, and it is my supreme pleasure to bring to you today a live conversation with two of our newest advertisers, Gabrielle Mana and Dr. Patrice Althea Sophia, twin flames, mystics, channels, and visionary leaders. They are gardeners of the heart. They have dedicated their lives to the sacred path of the ecstatic and radical. They embody deep wisdom and invite you to join them on their mystical path of the awakened heart. Today you will hear their backstory and the journey of their own inspiration, as well as what they will be offering to you as a valuable member of our EDGE community. No matter what your walk of life or how long you've been on your spiritual journey, Dr. Patrice and Gabrielle are here to be of service and to help you along the most compassionate and loving way possible. For further information, please visit their website, which is www.gabrielcurrell.com, and I'll spell that out, www.gabrielcurrell.com. So, Gabrielle and Patrice, are you there? Yes, hi. Hello. Hi, well, welcome. Welcome to the show and welcome to the EDGE community. Thank you, Catherine. We're great and we're really pleased to be here today. Well, I think it's going to be exciting and I'm I'm very excited to have this conversation with you and to be in a position to introduce you to the EDGE community. So I'd like to start with talking to you, Gabrielle, a little bit about what it is that you're bringing to the EDGE community and then Patrice will talk about what your contribution is, and how the two of you came together. But, Gabrielle, why don't you start with what your journey's been like and what's inspired you to take this route on your journey? Okay, well, for me, it all started when I was just a kid. Um, I was really drawn to nature, and I would, uh, I would spend hours by myself wandering the woods and just connecting to, to the essence of nature. Mm. Not really truly understanding why I was doing it, I just felt a, a sense of calm and peace and deep connection mm-hmm. uh, with that, you know, and, um, but uh, it wasn't until later when I was 17 that I really had a profound uh, mystical experience that uh, ushered in a, a spiritual awakening, and that occurred for me when I was uh, on a trip to, to Anniston, Alabama to, um, to um, work in conjunction with Habitat for Humanity. And I was helping to build homes for uh, for the you know, less fortunate people, and uh, so <clears throat> we uh, attended a uh, small Sunday um, uh, church service in an African American uh, ch- uh, church. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I, when I grew up, I, I really wasn't uh, raised in a religious, um, you know, uh, family or anything like that. I didn't really have much religious background or anything but uh or spiritual background for that matter but um when i was uh 
there in that church that day, and uh, and uh, <laughs> the preacher was up there, and he was doing his thing, and you know uh, they were clapping their hands and singing, and uh, I started looking around, and and uh, people were starting to cry, and uh, there was something profound happening in that instance, and uh, it, it, at first it kind of like startled me because I wasn't used to seeing kind of that kind of emotion all the time, you know, mm-hmm. arising in that way, and and uh, it wasn't until about two hours later that it hit me. Uh, we were sitting in a circle, this, the group of people that I went with, and and um, we were uh, all talking about our experience and what happened for us there, you know, during the, the week-long stay. And uh, when it came to me, that's when it, it really hit me. You could say the power of the Holy Spirit or, or something, you know, um, the Divine Spirit just opened my heart uh, in such a powerful way that I, I, I couldn't stop crying. And mm. I, this, um, this unconditional love, you know, uh, for everything and everyone, and I felt this very deep connection to uh, not just to the people around me, but to to to, to the trees and plants and everything. It's mm-hmm. as if it's as if I was felt uh, I was one with all of creation, with all mm-hmm. of the universe. Mm-hmm. So um, I know, and as I've come to learn now that uh, I mean that's called cosmic consciousness. Or, but at that point, I had no background or understanding. Mm-hmm this experience and uh yeah i had no context for that experience Mm -hmm. and it um it sent me down a path of uh, hardship because i was trying to reconcile this uh life that i had i had been living as a you know a young man 17 year old man you know uh i played basketball and i lived you know pretty normal life and then all of a sudden uh I met with this eternal presence and being, uh, it shifted my consciousness. And Mm -hmm. so I had to try to figure out what was going on. And for for many years, um, I I fumbled around in the dark seeking, um, you know, seeking uh, some sort of healing or or reconciliation or knowledge to, to, um, you know, to to help get uh, get me out of this uh, place, you know. Well, just that contrast to to experience that kind of cosmic awakening and to have that be dropped in the middle of this earthly experience without a whole lot of support to talk it through, I imagine that was quite challenging. Oh, yeah. I, I had no elders or mentors step in and, 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 and say, you know, okay, this is what's going on in your life right now. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I had no, nothing to help me. And so, you know, during, during those times, what was normal is that you, you seek to self-medicate to try to cope. Mm-hmm. That's what I saw all around me anyway, growing up uh, in a small town in New England. Uh, a lot of people drank, and, there, you know, there was substance abuse and stuff like that. So, you know, that's where I turned, because that's all I really knew at the mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. Well, Carl Jung was the first one to say that any kind of addiction such as alcoholism, he said this about Bill W., who started 12 Steps, was was searching for that spiritual connection that we'd lost. So it makes sense that you would reach out to that, plus it was so prevalent. So how did you find your way through that? How did you navigate through that, and what brought you into the the cosmic awareness where you could sustain it, hold it, and then move forward with it? Well, the next piece was, I had moved to Colorado, Boulder, Colorado, 
and uh, I was still kind of going through a tough time with the, the party scene and drug and alcohol abuse, but um, I something clicked there for me. I don't know if it was the presence of the mountain mm-hmm. or spirit or it's just something powerful there, like a vortex, but it's uh it completely shifted me I, you know it's like one night i I just was walking home at like three o'clock in the morning, and I felt this huge rush of energy come over me, and I was like, I can't live like this anymore. this isn't who I am, and I started to reach out to the universe, you know crying out, you know, do something or else I don't know if I'm going to make it. Mm-hmm. The very next day, I turned on the television, and a special uh, a show about the Tao Te Ching popped up. <laughs> mm. And instantly, I was drawn to it. I connected with it. And uh, right from there, I started to look more deeply into spiritual you know, knowledge and information, and I started to uh, really uh, go down the path of, mm-hmm. of, uh, of healing. So, Gabriel, how old were you then? I was about 22, 23 when that occurred. Mm-hmm. So that's still pretty young. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. To navigate that. Yeah. Um, so I still struggled for a while, even though I had was getting medicine to help heal my wounds and you know, reconcile this, this, uh, this gap in me. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, I, then I moved to Minneapolis. Um and I was doing massage therapy at the time, and uh, I kept meeting people that were really, really deep into energy work and spiritual healing, and so I was just drawn right into it. And, uh, I, you know, I worked for a couple years in the massage field, and, uh, I'm, and um, I started to do some training and certification in the energy, energy uh, healing and stuff like that, but uh, it wasn't until I met Patrice that, like that's when it really picked up pace. The intensity, uh, it was immense. And uh, through meeting um, Patrice, um, I, that's like when I started to really delve into uh, the deeper healing, the, the the clearing out of the karmic baggage, and mm-hmm. and then uh, opening all my channels and chakras in order to become a vessel for the spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and when was that? When was it that the two of you met? Oh, um, so I was living in uh, Minneapolis, uptown Minneapolis at the time. That uh, what was about about seven or eight years ago, actually. Mm-hmm. And so, so yeah, for the past seven or eight years, it's just been, I've devoted my life, you know, just solely to this work. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Uh, I've gone right to the core of it without holding back. It's like it's consumed my whole being and my all my time and energy and resources. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh but I couldn't have done it without her support mm-hmm. and constant uh presence. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious to hear the story about how the two of you met. But before we go there, Patrice, why don't you tell us a little bit about what your journey was that led you to the place where your life intersected with um uh, with it, Gabrielle's. Gabriel's. I keep calling you Gabrielle because of my stepdaughter. <laughs> <laughs> I apologize if that slips out. I know, but it's a pretty name, isn't it? Oh, it's gorgeous. <laughs> yeah, Archangel. It's an Archangel name. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> sure. Um, uh, I probably have the more common life. 
in in the beginning. You know, I I could say, you know, I went to I I was raised in a church. You know, I went through all the things you do, you know, you do. I sang in the choir. I did all that. I actually went to seminary. Um Wow, which which church was this, Patrice? Presbyterian. It was Presbyterian. Oh yeah, I was raised Presbyterian. California. Mm-hmm. So, um, and uh, but but nature was, I I would say nature was my cathedral was our family's cathedral. Mm-hmm. I grew up with the redwood trees. My parents would take us out. Mm-hmm. And California, us, right? Yeah, California. Take us camping. We went to the desert. We had the ocean. We were the redwood trees. Mm-hmm. Mountains, we you know everything was there um, of every kind of aspect of the natural world, mm-hmm. and it was you know I slept out under the stars. It was everything a child could um, could wish for. Mm-hmm. So, so Gabriel and I have very opposite um, childhoods because his was not as blessed you know with that type of, of um, activity. Other than he went out in the woods on, on his own. Um, but he had a much more tumultuous childhood. I had a childhood I would probably wish on any child. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Had extended family. My grandparents, my aunts and uncles, um, were all very close by, and uh, so I had a wealth of support and, you know, uh, people around me of differing uh, ages and wisdom mm-hmm. that I could uh, could. Garner, you know, Garner. Mm-hmm. Well, and the and California is the mecca for that. I mean, I spent 27 years there in the Bay, San Francisco, and yeah, it's just there, there's so many avenues for that kind of exploration. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no, California is is a pretty big mecca. L.A. and mm-hmm. yeah, San Francisco. In fact, in my earlier days when I was trying to go, it's like, you know, do you go to seminary? But the funny thing is, is that I took psychology right in school, and I know you're you have your master's, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I um I took psychology, and I'm going. It's the study of the soul, mm-hmm. right, Catherine? Right? You know that? Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I actually went to John F. Kennedy University in Orinda, and it was I think the first school where you could get a master's degree in transpersonal psychology. Yeah. Well, they were my, on the leading edge. Is the California Institute of Integral Studies? Yes, so, yes, that was there too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Very familiar with that whole and Pacifica down there. All yes. of those schools, mm-hmm. wonderful schools that are on the leading edge, just like the Edge Magazine is. You know, it's on yes. the leading edge of the educational system. So mm-hmm. a little, little plug for for those guys. They're wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, that's the first place I went when I moved here from San Francisco was to advertise in the Edge. Yeah, there. Mm-hmm. It was. Yeah. It was. That was like 22 years ago. Well, so how did you end up in Minneapolis? Because that was a big transition for me, moving from the Bay Area to Minneapolis. Via Colorado. Oh, you came via Colorado, so that's a little easier transition. It was, it was stepping stones, but you know, I I was um, uh, came here for for work, um, but. The thing is, is that none of it, you know, you never know why, what the underlying story is. Mm-hmm. It starts coming out. So um, you get these underlying waves of stuff. So I would have said I had a fairly normal life, although my prayer life was very, it was very deep. 
I had a lot of very mystical experiences, but the big one came when my sister died. Oh, okay. And um, and actually, and you know, we probably won't go down this path totally. I may write about it for an article in the Edge or talk about it on our um, show. But when she died, she did not cross over because she was very, very ill for a long time and did not have a lot of energy. So she actually attached herself to me. Oh, interesting. Yeah, and. I would have nightmares and dreams and and I and of things I wouldn't know about her life normally. Mm-hmm. And it and it got extreme. I would wake up at three o'clock in the morning and I'd be seeing her life like like it was my own. And Interesting. Mm-hmm. I, it got very wild and crazy. But my energy field was depleting really rapidly. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so um, I was in Sedona. And um, out one of the wonderful rock shops that's mm-hmm. there, and and they do healing and stuff there. And the guy looked. This guy was looking at me, and he goes, "Come upstairs for a healing," you know. <laughs> and I go, "Well, all right, let's do it," you know, because I said I'm kind of depleted and tired. And so I went up there, and he goes, "Do you have uh, have you been diagnosed as being like super ill or something?" And I said. No, and I'm not going to be. And then that made me start thinking that there was even more, you know, going on. Mm-hmm. Came back to town. I I worked with two women who were who were marvelous, and uh, uh, they they uh, all of a sudden one day when we were doing a healing session, I screamed, and it wasn't even my voice. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. And she walks over. She she kind of collected Beanie Babies. <laughs> Yes. Mm-hmm. And she walked over, and she uh, she goes, I, I don't know why, but I have to give you this. And it was Casper the Friendly Ghost, uh, Beanie Baby. Mm-hmm. And I, I go, oh, my God. I said, um, that's my sister's favorite cartoon. And so all of these started to unfold. Mm-hmm. Six-month period of all these kind of synchronicities and things like that. And... Um, and uh, we were able to move her on to her next place. She, you know, we won't go into it, but it ended up being a huge initiation for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I can imagine, yes. And I imagine that she welcomed the support to get to the other side. Is that an accurate assessment, or was she reluctant to go to the other side? No, I think she didn't have the, you know, what what it came as as messages would come through was that she just she was sick for so long that the the strength wasn't there. Mm-hmm. So she just needed that support. Yeah, because of the journey she'd been on, it was mm-hmm. a really difficult life journey. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we splinter. I think you you know this because you work with this also. Mm-hmm. Splinter mm-hmm. fragments of ourselves. We call Absolutely. Retrieve mm-hmm. or however we want to what term we want to use for that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, that had happened for her, so it was really a matter of trying to get enough of her back together. Mm-hmm. To that be makes able a lot of sense. To go on her, you know, go on with her healing journey. Mm-hmm. And um, but what arose for me after, because the her time of sickness was quite a long time, and I had to keep leaving my work here. You know, I was I'd go to take care of her, and then I'd help my mom and dad. You know, and a number, and she had children. So I went to help with the children. But 
because of her illness, she would flip back and forth between wanting help and then pushing it away. Mm-hmm. And I think we, all of us that are caretakers, understand that you know have come against, come up with that. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And um, and it's a difficult, it's a difficult uh, path to mm-hmm. walk for a caregiver. It is. I had that role with my mom. Oh, did, now, were you her only sibling, or were you just particularly close to her? Um, I w- I'm the oldest in the family. She was three years younger than me, and then I have a brother. So as a woman, as a woman, you know, we often tend to take those roles as right. parents and, mm-hmm. and uh, for our family and you know loved ones. So, mm-hmm. well, and there's always a bigger picture to that one too. But so yes, so that was your life lesson was her her crossing over and that whole connection. Well, that started the really deep spiritual journey mm-hmm. um, because what ended up showing up as a result of that is a bunch of anger. <laughs> well, absolutely, yes, because that's that third stage of grief that you'd have to go through in order to, to you know, disconnect. It's funny we're talking about this because I've just been spending the last week editing this book, about the end-of-life crisis with my mother where I went and took care of her, and it's called Beyond Compassion. And so I've just been kind of absorbed in that whole, you know, transition and my part and my role. And I know the night that she died, I was with her right up until, like, midnight. And I, I fell asleep for five minutes, and I heard the nurse come in, and she had passed in that five minutes. Yep. Wow. And I felt really like I'd missed out because it's like I really wanted to be there. I had been there with my dad, and it was such a powerful experience. Well, when I went into my own meditation, what I found out is that she'd been waiting all day for me to get into more of that spirit form so that I could actually escort her on the other side. Exactly. So she, you know, so she needed me to be asleep in order to, to facilitate that. So th- those end-of-life crises are just they can be really expanding if we have the tools to deal with them. So I can imagine that was a real heart opener for you. Yeah, and I was and speaking, I was with my grandmother and grandfather mm-hmm. both when they crossed over because we were able to keep them at home. My sister died in the hospital, mm-hmm. but we I was with her then. So it's those transitions are really they're important ones, and mm-hmm. and that's also one of the things that that I bring you know to this community to our edge community is the understand the deep understanding of those types of you know transitions and yes and the role uh, the role that we often play as caretakers mm-hmm. um, because as a result of that and then my grandparents passing and we ca- cared for them at home I depleted my own energy that certainly can happen mm-hmm. uh, and then it becomes an uh, you know a journey into ourselves right. right? the deeper journey into our own workings, our mm-hmm. own workings. Mm-hmm. And and then it was really, um, the spirit realm came to me. I got so depleted. I was laying in bed one day, and I could not move. I really could not move. I couldn't open my eyes. I mean, I really got super depleted. Because I was also trying to work in between mm-hmm. all this mm-hmm. and uh, to care for my own family and, and stuff. And uh, I... Um, I heard a voice, and the voice said, you must get up. Because at that point, I'm going, like, just take me. You know, I'm so mm-hmm. exhausted. Right. <laughs> you know, just, okay. Yeah, take me now. <laughs> mm-hmm. And the voice said, you're not done. 
you are not done, and you're going to get up now. Mm-hmm. So I leaned up. I tried to get up out of bed, and I got my legs over the side, and I was just exhausted from that effort. And they said, um, you have to get up. I said, I'm just too tired. I can't even do it. And I felt two hands on my back, and I was pushed out of bed mm-hmm. in the room, right, mm-hmm. that you see. And I was pushed out of bed, and they said, and now you're going to remember all that you forgot related to energy mm-hmm. because it is time now to do your stuff mm-hmm. because you've taken care of everybody else. Mm-hmm. That was the deeper you know, beginning of, of a lot of very mystical and uh, teachings from the spirit realm and the universe. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Kind of my place. That's kind of my place. <laughs> yes, I totally understand that. I I was with my father when he passed, which will be 29 years actually this Friday. And then I was with my mom. Out of four children, I was the only one. I was the only one with both parents when they crossed. But Dad's experience opened me to the spiritual, and then Mom's felt like my initiation. It felt like. I graduated to some other realm because there was like 22 years between them, you know. So so there's so much that can be learned in that situation. Well, so this brings us now to the two of you. How did your paths intersect and what has been that journey? <laughs> we have to laugh on this one, right? <laughs> uh, well, um, I was still seeking, you know, healing actively in, in the – Minneapolis area, and uh, the type of person I am is like, I just delve in head first and don't think about it afterwards. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and uh, but so Patrice had been connected to some healers in the area, and uh, so she started to guide me towards, um, uh, you know, some some different some different healers, and uh, and that's how we connected was through you know. Yeah, we ran into each other. We just other. ran into each other. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, it wasn't like all bells ringing no. and uh, crazy things happening when we met. It it was really just a, a gradual... Uh, well, we we actually felt like we knew each other. I mean, we right. There's week. that familiarity, right? Yeah. Like yeah. old home week, you know, like mm-hmm. very comfortable talking about mm-hmm. everything and everything. We do have an age... I mean, there is an age difference between us so that's that's a and we'll talk we can talk about that too it's kind of an interesting challenge in our societal construct but can i ask what the age difference is Uh. (laughs) i'll tell you why i'm asking is because we've talked before and i've said that you know i'm also with my twin flame and there's an age difference with us too there's a 17 year difference in our ages ours is greater than that so it's um but it's it, it's interesting. So is are you is he younger or older than? He's you? younger. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and Gabriel is younger than than I am. Mm-hmm. Well, the, people wouldn't know the age the age difference, so I often don't say it. Once in a while, we get asked. But right, right. Well, and I didn't mean to put you on the spot, but but see, <laughs> I find that so interesting because we don't even track that age difference, and especially when you're meeting soul to soul, there is just not that age. I mean, there are times when when I even forget that he's that much younger and then there's times when i you know dramatically know that he's you know it's like because we trade those roles but it's interesting it's interesting when you come together um and you recognize each other on a soul level 
Yeah, it's. I think this is a really important discussion, Catherine, because um, in our culture, you know, we're not, you know, sometimes we see older men with younger women, and we go, oh, they've got designs on the young girl, right? Mm-hmm. Our, let's just, we can be honest here, it's like the, our culture is very sexually oriented. So we, we see that in every relationship, or we look, look at that, we look at relationships in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, as kind of like our primary way of viewing the world. And, in fact, we were just writing an article on twin flame relationship, and we're talking about some of that. And, mm-hmm. how, and actually how Sigmund Freud, and do you know Brene? You know, I know you know uh, Sigmund Freud. but right. you know, um, I've certainly heard the, heard the name, but it, what's the reference? Well, Brene is uh, Sigmund Freud's nephew, and he was a major PR guy in New York. And mm. they realized um, Sigmund Freud's whole thing on sexuality and all this, the underlying, you know, ego id, mm-hmm. all that mm-hmm. stuff. In order to begin um, campaigning, campaign and marketing, to um, utilize especially the sexual stuff um, as underlying messages in order to get people to buy things. And it started back then with Bernays. There's a, a wonderful YouTube video called, what is it, The Century of the Self on YouTube, and I would recommend that to all of our listeners um, here on the edge because it's very, very enlightening as to how our, the context has been set in this culture. And it was oh, done. yeah, that would be interesting. It's very, very interesting. Mm-hmm. In fact, we had, it was required watching at CIAS in the first uh, – class I took there, Self-Society and Transformation. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. hmm Well, and I'm, I'm glad to be hearing you talk about the twin flame relationship because a lot of people have this romanticized perspective of the twin flame connection. Yep. <laughs> and, and boy, am I ever glad that we knew how to deal with the, you know, the stuff that gets triggered because in my experience, there's no other relationship that illuminates where you're out of alignment with your higher self, it's just like this big spotlight. And oh, if you don't know how to deal with that and make that, you know, take that as the opportunity to grow and see the patterns that happen as something that's not only going to benefit you in this relationship, but it's actually going to benefit the entirety of your soul journey together and apart. It's just, it's so huge. But it, it requires a whole different set of um, standards, is what I found. No, that's that's absolutely correct. We we have a construct in this society that's heavily embedded in our mindset and mm-hmm. in our in our way of being. Mm-hmm. When relationships step outside of that, there's a lot of um, I don't know spitting up even by friends around you. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And a lot of misunderstanding and, and misunderstanding. Yeah. Yeah. If it wouldn't have been for this one friend where she understood this and we were able to talk through it. Because I was deep into the recovery world too, so everything mm-hmm. would have looked more codependent. I mean, who marries somebody seventeen years younger than them who lives in Minneapolis when I'm in San Francisco? It's like all of the outside stuff just looked like I kind of lost it, you know, and yet nothing felt more right to me on a soul level, mm-hmm. you know. So, yeah, I'm really glad that the two of you are going to be bringing that 
kind of to the community in your podcast, which we need to talk about too. But what else would you like to say just about the relationship itself and how that nurtures what you're going to be bringing together and apart to the EDGE community? Um, well, I can kind of sum it up about the twin flame relationship is that it's, I mean, the, the core of the relationship is, is really about spiritual enlightenment and, uh, and, um, becoming balanced and whole. Mm-hmm. That's, uh, the, the medicine that you bring is, is clean and pure and, ha- and there's integrity in it and, and so, um, uh, you know, lucky for me, uh, Patrice was really far along on the spiritual journey, and she kind of kept me uh, grounded and uh, and brought a lot of wisdom, you know, early on, so that I could, uh, you know, re-attune myself. And you know, because you know, early on you have difficulties, you know, as you're as you're purifying yourself, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, I was going through a deep purification process when we came together, and uh, and it continued on, and she helped me through it. But, um, yeah, it, it usually, and this is what I've, I've read, too, and heard from other twin flames, is that there's usually one that's way more of evolved on the spiritual journey. And uh, and the the other one can can be the one who's going through the upheaval and, uh, and all the problems. And, and uh, so it's it's funny how that how that dynamic is. But but then I would add that if the if the other person is not if you know as they call it the runner or whatever you know <laughs> how language say around. the language around all that yeah um, if you stay in it then there's a massive um, shift in their energy field and and consciousness in mm-hmm. order because they're not gonna they're not gonna be left behind if spiritual enlightenment is the goal which that is a lot of what a twin flame relationship is about and the mission mm-hmm. so that's that has to be done mm-hmm. before um you know i've done work in the community and then i've i've stepped out of doing work in the community for a while having to, had to deal with a lot of family um things and uh and then you just you wait because there's a stream that flows that if we can listen you know from our heart it will it will show itself, mm-hmm. and and uh, but if we ru- rush around like we tend to do in this culture, we lose that you know because we get we're swirl in whatever is presented with our texting and our phone calls mm-hmm. and our. It's really easy. Really easy to get off that track, and uh, our soul will continually try and you know midlife crisis is a lot about that, mm-hmm. and, you know and you, you know bring this back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Back, bring us back in order to hear that that still quiet voice that's trying to say you're off track. You know, depression for me is that. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. My my PhD is on um, the mental health system. Right. And what we what we're doing. I'm I'm so pleased to see the work that you are doing. You yourself are doing with people related with the acacia and the you know. Mm-hmm the sound and the, all that, to bring that all together, our work is, is, is similar. Right, right. It's, it's an exciting time. Mm-hmm. It is. But it certainly makes sense that you would have have the name, of, I think it was Gardeners of the Heart. Do I have that right? Yeah. <laughs> See, that's just beautiful because 
the the, the uh, metaphor of the garden and having to till it and having to weed it and having to manage it is so relevant, I think, and so few people really understand the depth of work and tending that a soul journey really requires. You know, it's that, and and all the mindfulness and really being present. It's a daily task to continue to keep it weeded, in a sense. Mm-hmm. Well, and and to plant the right seeds, you know, right? Seeds Good point. That have to grow. You mm-hmm. know, that our heart actually can blossom. Mm-hmm. And the pain and the trauma of whatever we've experienced in all aspects of our journey, whether it's this lifetime or another one, you know, can get resolved. Mm-hmm. Um, and we can pull those parts of ourselves back that we've kind of. Uh, lost along the way right mm-hmm. yeah uh-huh. and we can go to the akashic field and mine our own mm-hmm. you know record and bring forth these these wonderful tools that we've had in other lifetimes it's just it, the horizon is just opening up so much mm-hmm. as well, we allow ourselves to go there and to expand well that veil is so thin mm-hmm. you know, yes you about too the the veil is thinner now and the energies coming on are very potent for transformation yes Mm-hmm. Very, very potent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's exciting. Well, so I think we're going to be able to talk you guys into doing your own radio show. We haven't talked a lot about it, but it's in the process. Yep. So I imagine that you would be using that forum to speak a lot about the different topics that we've hit on today, right? Some of them, and to get into the deeper um, mystical path, because we this is this for us is about the awakened heart. Mm-hmm. is that the heart gets awakened. I think I wrote in one of the more recent Edge things, The Passion of the Heart was the article that I wrote. And mm-hmm. I had this very profound experience where the the heart opened, but the knowledge in the heart is something completely different than what we have in the conscious mind. Mm-hmm. And uh, And that's actually how I knew him, then how I came to know him, which happened later. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to, you know, say that exactly beautifully. Maybe you can. Um, <laughs> oh, it's it's like the the template in the mind drops, you know. Yeah. And and then what's really there is just just appears, you know. And mm-hmm. The the voice and the the. Uh, the knowledge or wisdom in that opens in that other realm is so different than what we know in this context. Mm-hmm. And so a lot, of, and that's what we call the awakened heart. So mm-hmm. part of our work is to help people awaken that deeper wisdom mm-hmm. um, in themselves. And another thing too is when the heart really awakens and uh, and you kind of surrender to it or let go to it. There's a powerful medicine there. Yes. And it's it's not the kind of the, the healing or energy work that you can uh, control or dictate or mm-hmm. use your mind and will intent to uh, focus it. It is com- something completely radical and ecstatic. And right. Think, you just have to allow it. Uh, it's yes. not. It's not like yeah. I can, It's not like I can train you in this. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> well, and I think the most that any of us can do is help somebody really open up to that inner being that has all their answers. Oh, yeah. Exactly. You know, and that's really our role is to just keep bringing people back to that, you know, higher self, holy Christ self, inner being, whatever 
they want to call it, but that's where those true answers are. Yeah. And direction. Yeah, um covered it up with so much in this society. I know. We go horizontal. I keep I refer to it as going horizontal versus vertical. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we go to others to get our needs met and we're never going to until we flip it and yeah. get it met vertically first and then what we attract will reflect that. So we could talk for days, I'm sure. I'm really I'm really, really excited to talk to you guys about getting your show up and running. But we're probably coming to uh, a close for today's broadcast. So what would you like to leave our audience with? I guess, you know, just blessings from the divine. You know, it, it's uh, we have been we have been so blessed and and with the grace of the Holy Ones, and I want, you know, I, I want to extend that uh, love and that grace and that blessing out to the listeners mm-hmm. today, um, and I, you know, I pray that they can receive it in its fullness, mm-hmm. um, because oftentimes we are resistant to, to love because of whatever wounds or, you know, pain we've had in our lives, mm-hmm. even resistant to divine love. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and sometimes the most resistant to the that. The most resistant, mm-hmm. and that's the thing that can heal us. Mm-hmm. But it's also, as you know, Rumi, Rumi said, you know, the 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 wound is where the light goes in, right? The mm-hmm. wound is where the light goes mm-hmm. in. So, and there's pain there, usually. Mm-hmm. So we we're resistant to the pain. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I guess I would say we surrender as much as we can as much as we all can. I mean, we're doing that on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Uh, That's where breathing comes in so nicely. Beautiful. It's a natural way. Right. Well, we will certainly be talking more about getting your show up and running. But, again, on behalf of the EDGE staff, I just want to welcome you to our community. And, and you know, some of the community is going to, going to already know who you are, and they followed some of your articles and connections. But I'm just really excited to bring you into the Edge Talk Radio Network as well. So yeah, we've got a lot to look forward to. I wanted to say one more thing, I think, to everybody. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, so coming from where, where I've been, um, so to all the listeners out there, no matter what you're going through, what kind of hardships you're facing, there is hope. Mm-hmm. People that understand mm-hmm. and have wisdom and knowledge and insight to bring to that. Mm-hmm. From a heart place, you know. Mm-hmm. So that, that's why I'd like to leave it. <laughs> well, actually, before we before we close out, I'd also like to have you just let the community know what you're offering now and how they can get a hold of you, and what your website is. Well, you can uh, look on my website gabrielcorral.com for more information about my services and uh, and uh, there there's um, <clears throat> there's an email and everything you can. And a phone number that you can go to. My phone number six one two five nine four four seven one four. If you want to uh, call, make an appointment, or discuss what you know, we, if we can help you out. You know. Um, All yeah. right. Well, thank you. We have office in Woodbury, but we're going to have one in Uptown also. Okay. Perfect. Mm-hmm. All right. So we will stay tuned to see when you launch your radio show and. Until then, again, I just thank you for taking the time to talk to our community today.
Well, thank you so much, Catherine. I really yeah. enjoyed talking with you. Yeah, we have you, a Catherine. lot in common. Yes, we do. It's been a, been a delight. All right. Well, have a good day. All right. You, you too. too. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Bye-bye. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.